Welcome back to the official Offshore Europe podcast series. I'm your host, Steph Crawford, and I'm joined today by Ellis Ramforth, President of Operations EMEA at Wood, and Alan Murray, Chief Operating Officer at Kellis Midstream, to discuss all things energy security and how the oil and gas sector will continue to play a key role in the UK's energy mix for years to come. So as domestic energy security hits the headlines again following the recent licensing announcement from the UK government, we need to look at a more balanced approach to ensure our energy security. The UK and the world needs affordable, reliable energy produced as cleanly as possible with decarbonisation at the forefront of industrial operations. That's a fact, but the question is how? How can the UK energy industry achieve this and what are the contributing factors to energy security? So, Ellis, I'll come to you first. Thanks, Steph. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of talk today, both in the, the, the breakfast this morning and the energy security panel on um, getting the right uh, energy mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think during the, during the security panel session, we focused on um, policy and investment. And, and I think it's essential that we get policy right. Uh, I think we need to get it right to encourage investment in the UK, but we also need to get it right uh, as part of the global market. Um, We need to remain uh, attractive and competitive on a global scale to ensure we can kind of drive that that correct blend as oil and gas starts to drop off, how we transition uh, into the, the, the more renewable blended mix going forwards towards 2050. Absolutely, and I guess infrastructure, Alan, coming to you, plays a key role in that. Yeah, absolutely. I think from a practical point of view, Ellis, is, is absolutely right. You have to attract that investment and, you have, and investment will come when it's a stable fiscal framework. But practically, you need reliable infrastructure if you're going to produce that energy, uh, be it from oil and gas or ultimately from uh, low-carbon sources in the future. So, so having that reliable high quality, high available infrastructure is absolutely key. I think the other thing, the another enabler for energy security is the people. The people to run this business. We've got a very proud industrial heritage in the UK continental shelf for the last 50 odd years and we should be really proud of that. But we're going to need those self-same people to drive us forward and maintain that secure future energy future going forward. Absolutely. I guess, Ellis, you mentioned the role of government and the need for stable fiscal policy. And with their recent announcement on new licenses, are they ensuring a balanced energy mix to maintain energy security? And does the energy transition align with that? I think the release of the new licenses uh, can only be a good thing. Um, I think it's sending the right message to the to the industry. It, it sends the right message to private equity finance, um, and and it opens up uh, increased opportunity uh, in marginal fields in potential. So, it, it it certainly breathes new life into the oil and gas industry, uh, and it maintains an essential part of that energy mix. And I think there was a lot of discussion this morning on every single net zero 2050 scenario included oil and gas. So that that release of the 100 new licences can only be seen as a good thing. Absolutely. But I think building on that though, Ellis, is is we need that stability. Obviously, we're coming up to an interesting time. 
in our in our politics. There's going to be a general election sooner rather than later. Yeah, and and, and business needs that coming right. The stability point. Yeah. If there's a big chop and change, and there's a huge uh, sea change of policy, it's going to be a problem, and it's going to be a challenge for for our industry. When you think about the time from an idea to oil or gas flowing through a pipeline, or indeed renewable energy flowing up a wire is multiple years, it's 8, 10, 12 yeah, years yeah. and you've got to have that, that, that stability over a long period of time So, absolutely. And I think we talked this morning about the carbon cost and the real cost of importing gas and I think the, the levels of imported gas into the UK last year uh, to make up the deficit were excessive uh, and without these licences we can only see that increasing um, which is not good for the economy or or the or the climate. No, absolutely. And I guess touching back on your point there on infrastructure, Alan, the existing infrastructure that's being used right now for oil and gas will be able to be used for other energies as we move forward. Uh, broadly speaking, yes, Steph. The great thing about the onshore and offshore infrastructure that we have right now for oil and gas is it's in the right postcode. It's uh, uh, onshore, it's close to large industrial users or grid connections. Offshore, it's close to reservoirs that can be used for, say, carbon capture and storage or, or hydrogen storage. So they're in the right places, broadly speaking. Now, yeah, you can't just switch off methane one day and switch on hydrogen the next day. There's a lot There's a lot of engineering to happen. But broadly speaking, I think that, that that's a, a key place, a, a, key, a key point. And even when you think about it, you can you don't need to wait. We're doing that right now at Cats. When you think about it, we're building a one gigawatt low carbon hydrogen facility inside the fence at Cats. So I think that's a really good another good thing. That another point of of the existing infrastructure is they're they're all coma top tier sites, control of major accident hazard sites. So they're well used to handling large volumes of hydrocarbon gases and liquids. So high volumes of liquefied carbon dioxide or high volumes of hydrogen it's is i don't want to sound blasé and say it's just another gas because you have to treat these things with with a lot of respect but we've got the wherewithal to do it right now and i guess linking that back to then to energy transition utilizing existing infrastructure you're doing lots of good things at cats and at wood we're supporting clients to decarbonize their assets i don't know if there's any comments on on that aspect well, maybe we jump in first and then let Ellis build on that. I think that using again using cats as an example, uh, we have we have been able to reduce the emissions from the cats terminal, uh, particularly flaring, where the the engineers, the the technicians, the, the ops guys, it's guys and girls at site have done a smashing job, yeah. and focusing on lots of little things. But the cumulative impact of all of those things adding up has had a huge, huge impact. So I think that's about changing mindset. It's about culture, about uh, treating emissions and uh, the, the need to get rid of your emissions almost the same way as safety. You want to have zero safety incidents. We want to have zero emissions if that's, if that's possible. That's what we're striving towards. So, yeah, it's, it's really good. And I, I don't know, Ellis, uh, you should be proud of the, the, the wood guys who've, who are helping us on that way. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's worth highlighting there's two aspects to this. You've got the decarbonisation, so whether that's at CATS or, or we're doing flare gas recovery or power generation, reduction of emissions, um, which is the decarbonisation, big drive towards net zero, that actually doesn't massively help the energy mix, energy security, supply and demand. But I guess that there's a place for both. There's the decarbonisation, which will help the net zero targets, but there's also... 
the the increased energy supply through renewables and linking through the existing infrastructure that we've yeah. got. Yeah. yeah, it's back to that balance, right? You want you need to you need to ensure energy security, but it doesn't mean the energy transition has to stop. It's about Correct. doing both in in tandem. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I think I think on that point, you can look at skills and infrastructure the same. If you don't use it, you will ultimately lose it. And and I think you know we have the people. Um, the skills are very transferable. We need to use them. We have a lot of infrastructure. Some of it might not be applicable for use in renewables, but a lot of it will be. And it's making sure that we tie into that to extend the life of a lot of that infrastructure and make sure we capitalise on what already exists. Absolutely. I guess the energy transition, our ongoing energy security and the journey to net zero can't be successfully implemented without people. And the energy industry in the UK supports over 200,000 jobs with more, as we know, coming on. So they're clearly a vital piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. And it's a challenge for, for, for our industry. It's a challenge for engineering in general or, or, or engineering-based industries that uh, there has been a lack of kids wanting to get into STEM subjects at school. And, and we all have a job to do to, to try and encourage that. And, and again, uh, the school's engagement programmes are really important, getting kids interested early. Uh, we we've got some groups are underrepresented quite quite significantly. We don't have enough female engineers or female technicians. We don't have enough um, underrepresented folks working in our industry. So we've got a big challenge there. But likewise, you've got a huge opportunity because that's a really rich seam of talent that that we can don't we don't currently attract, but we should be working hard to attract. I think the other point in skills, Steph, is uh, it's not just about engineers and uh, it's about uh, technicians and, and good vocational training as well. That's really, really important. And we've, pardon the pun at CATS, we've got that pipeline of, of talent that's come through and the, the supervisors and uh, frontline managers who are running the big jobs today were the apprentices five, six, seven years ago. And it's really nice to see, it's really encouraging and it uh, gives you a really good warm feeling that, that that talent can be developed in-house. I think, I think also part of kind of future-proofing from a skills point of view is the messaging we give to, you know, young professionals, young apprentices, that it's a, it's a career in energy. It's not a career in oil and gas. It's a, this, this, is a, this is a long-term career um, that if you move into the, the energy uh, industry, then the, there's, there's a full life in that. Uh, I, I think we've maybe decoupled the messaging a bit. You move into the oil and gas industry or you move into the renewables. I think we need to think about how we approach universities, uh, training academies, whatever it may be, to provide a more holistic message to, to, to highlight, look, your skills are transferable. Uh, I think, Ellis, actually, you had a really, the, uh, an even bigger point, which is about communication. Yes. You, you know, the, as an industry, how good are we at communicating? How good are we at communicating with politicians or policymakers? Uh, how good, at, you know, we've talked about school kids and university students, but there's the general public. Uh, and I think uh, on the, the panel this morning, Jenny, standing from OEUK, was absolutely on the money. Uh, there's lots of good materials out there and we all have to use the materials there and, and be proud and be, be spokespeople and, uh, and ambassadors for our industry because there's an awful lot of negative publicity out there. There's, there's people are demonising our industry and uh, the best way to change something is from within. And the best way to, to change, them, uh, change an industry is using that young talent coming through who will be there for their whole working career and they can see what it was, what it's going to be and what it will be in the future.
So communication is a really, really big, big challenge for us. And I guess with energy security, energy transition, it's all a challenge. We all, we all know that. And I guess there are risks to any challenge. Well, what do you see are the risks for our energy security moving forward? I guess in the short term, in the next 10 years, what do we have to overcome to ensure that we can really deliver that? I think, I think maybe for me, um, I think, look, if we, if we reflect on the journey we've made uh, in the UK, I think we've made great strides uh, in, in transitioning from our traditional um, energies uh, into the renewable space. There's a lot more to go. Um, I think for me, I would like to ensure, I, I, think, I think one of the big risks is we end up having uncontrolled transition. And by uncontrolled, I mean, do we turn parts of the energy mix off too early before we've got a suitable replacement? Do we try to accelerate too, too quick? There will always be a, a desire and a push politically and socially to accelerate the transition. And I don't think there's anybody uh, at this conference would disagree with that. Um, but we need as an industry to manage that transition and make sure we are responsible for the control that we apply to that transition whilst accelerating as much as possible. Absolutely, Alice. I think that, uh, uh, but, but the same way, a lack of pace is, a, is going to be a, a, a big challenge for us. We have to keep going. I think you use that um, moving aggressively forward. You don't have to charge headlong into something, but absolutely, we need to be positive and forthright, stick your know, puffer chests out and be proud of what we're doing and get on with it. So a lack of pace or a, a lack of will will be a, a challenge. Uh, it's going to be a, it will challenge our energy security today, and it will challenge our ability to transition in the future. Absolutely. Okay. And the theme for offshore Europe this year is accelerating the transition to a better energy future. And this is something we're asking all of our podcast participants over the course of the week. But what does that mean to you, Alice? I'll come to you first. I'll maybe go back to what I touched on at the beginning about. Um, you know, fiscal policy driving investment. Um, I think without that foundation, um, it will be very hard to accelerate the transition. Um, I think that is most definitely an accelerator. If we get the right environment for uh, investment, it will it will ensure um, the the focus and the ability to to recruit and resource that transition is there. So I, I think, and this isn't one just to pass. Um, the, the kind of ball into another area and say, right, it's all about policy, it's all about governmental, that's not, we've got a huge part to play in that, but I think it's important we collectively come together to allow that acceleration. I don't think any component part can do it on their own. I think we need the kind of joined up approach, which to date, I'm not sure if we've quite cracked that. Yeah, It's all about balance, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Alan? I think I'd maybe also like to add it's all about culture as well and your can-do culture. Uh, I think that over the last 50 years in the UK and continental shelf, we have we collectively have demonstrated an incredible culture yeah. of getting things done. And we've Yeah, we've made mistakes, but we've learned from them, we've made things safer, we've made things more efficient, we've, and, and, and it's about continuing that can-do culture. It's just a different problem to solve, but it's a, a tough one. The energy trilemma is not an easy nut to crack. But I can do attitude, the right people, the right investment, the right framework run about it. Absolutely. We can we can we can do it and we should be we should be focusing on that, the can do attitude. Yeah. Well, I think it's clear the balance is critical and we need to 
utilize those skills, the people, the infrastructure. We need to ensure that we need those things to ensure energy transition. And we need to ensure the basin remains attractive on a global scale, as you said. And we need all four of those things to ensure energy security. And I think and if we can strike that balance, then we can deliver for the future. Absolutely. Thank you very much, both of you, for your insights today. Thanks very much. Thanks, Thanks. Steph.